Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. So we're going to continue in our, in our study of uh, First Peter this week. And I want to start out uh, with an illustration. Uh, lots of times you've heard me, or uh, when the, the first word in a text, which is what we're going to get to this morning, is the word therefore. The, the, the quote is, what's the therefore, therefore? In other words, something was said in the past that has a significant impact on what's coming now. So let me show you how this works, because Peter uses this a bunch. And so I hope you can follow along on this incredibly difficult to follow and theologically advanced illustration. So we've got our first layer of Legos here. See, hello. All right, so... There it is. All right, right there. All right, so we've got this first layer, all right? So, and, and we built that last week. The Bible says, here's what God has given you in Christ Jesus in your salvation. So we build that. And in this morning, he's going to say, therefore, and he's going to build on what was said last week. And in two weeks, he's going to say, therefore, and he's going to build. In fact, four or five times in this text, the Bible says, therefore. So it's incredibly important that you understand what has come before so that you can understand how to build on that foundation. And so if you happen to miss a Sunday, that's okay. You can catch up online. But I want you to be here every week so that we can build on this so that we can really and truly uh, see all that God has for us, not a little bit here and there. Uh, it's certainly fine to jump in any place, but if you really want to see God move in your life, you look at what he's done and then therefore this, then therefore this. And that's what he's going to do in these days. So what's the therefore, this is it. Uh, What's the therefore, therefore for this week? He says, we've been saved. We've been blessed by God. And this blessing is not just going to come in heaven when we die. There's a, a, a true blessing here on earth for those who follow Jesus Christ. In fact, he says, in verse 10, he says, the prophets of old, these great men and women of God, he says, they long to know what you know, because they were looking forward to Jesus, but we know about the Jesus, the resurrected Christ. So we have more knowledge than the prophets of old. And then he says in verse 13, the angels long to see what you see. With the Spirit of God in the church today and with God's Holy Spirit invading our lives, that we get to see things that even angels wish that they could be a part of. We are truly blessed if we are in Christ, if we are uh, have a relationship with Him. Therefore, let's go into the verse today, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded, set on your hope, completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy." 
So Jesus says, all right, so we, we've got this salvation. Now he says, all right, what are we going to do now? We're going to have our minds ready for action. That's the big idea of the day, getting your mind ready for action. And it's important to understand that it takes both parts of that. You have to have your mind, and your mind has to be ready, not for thought. Your mind has to be ready for action. Some people think sometimes that, that Christianity is just like a, a series of beliefs. No, no. We are to put our minds and understand how Christ has wired us and what he wants. Why? So that we can act, be people of action. One of my favorite illustrations of all time. Let me show you a picture, 1912. This is a picture of Jim Thorpe in the 1912 uh, Olympics in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, most people say he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. And so uh, Thorpe is on the ship. It's called the Finland. And uh, it's, uh, it's driving. It's boating, however you say that, uh, over to Stockholm for the Olympics. So all of the Olympic team and only the Olympic people are on this ship. So you can imagine this is the Summer Olympics. So you can imagine during the day, the deck is full of activity. I mean, people are jumping rope and lifting weights and running around the, the perimeter and running in place and doing all these things. And here comes the coach, Jim Hammock, and he looks over and Jim Thorpe is on a lounge chair. Everybody else is, I mean, just killing it physically. And he's like, Jim Thorpe, what are you doing? We are working out. We have got the Olympics to go. And Jim Thorpe looks up with a smile and says, coach, I just saw myself jump 23 feet, 8 inches in the long jump so that I could win the decathlon. Now, he went on to do just that. He went on to win both the pentathlon, five events, and the decathlon, and in such fashion that seven of the ten events in the decathlon, he actually won first. Usually, you're really good at, at some of them, and then you just do decent in the others, and your points add up, but he was dominant in all of them, so much so that the last day, this picture right here, the last day of the decathlon— what happened was one of the other athletes stole his shoes. And, uh, and so Jim Thorpe had no shoes, so he found one uh, not a pair of shoes, one shoe in the trash, and it fit. So he had one shoe, he found another one of his teammates, and they loaned him another shoe, uh, but it was too big for him, so he had to wear three or four pairs of socks to kind of uh, do that, and he went on to win the decathlon. Now, surely there was a lot more at stake than him just thinking through individually and mind looking at him winning the different events, but I bet you it's part of it. He was, had his mind ready for action. And so that's what the Bible is teaching us today. Now, you and I are going to think about, here's a fun thing to think, uh, to talk about. Uh, you know, basically our pastor is going to show us how to gossip over lunch. All right, so here's what we do. All right, so there's two, two extremes on this. You know some people that love action without mind. They are impulsive, they are just, and they just go out, but the, it, it leads to a lot of wasted energy and time. You also know people that are a lot of thought, but no action. Uh, my counselor one time uh, said that uh, she her husband was redoing the bathroom, and her husband was an accountant, so he had a spreadsheet for everything. She said he, he knew exactly what supplies they needed, exactly where you could get 
the best deal, whether that was Lowe's or Home Depot or McCoy's. And he knew exactly the things that he would have to buy. And he had a spreadsheet and he had spreadsheeted himself to death. She said he knew exactly what needed to happen, but the bathroom was still ugly. And so she went in one day and she said, when are we going to start on this bathroom? He goes, I just got to run a few more calculations. I just, she said, have you, have you pulled the permits? He's like, yeah, but I just, I've got to work on this spreadsheet some. She says she took a giant hammer and she went, she went, wham, 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 and hit holes in the wall because it forced him to start because he was going to think about it too long. Some of us are that way. We are aim, 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 aim people. And the Bible says we ought to aim then fire. Get your minds ready for action. Now, for the rest of the sermon, we're going to talk about five words within this text that he shows us with our minds to get ready. Let's look at them. Number one, getting your mind ready for action. What should you do? First, you should be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Now, if, if you've ever had too much to drink, you don't understand this at the moment. But if you've ever had nothing to drink and been around someone who had too much to drink, you understand this exactly. A person who drinks too much does not think well, does not have good ideas. Woo! We're going to Mexico. No, no, we're not. All right, you guys, you are 50 years old and need to be at work in three hours. You're not, all right? That, that's not a good idea. That's... That, and, and, and when we have, when we have uh, too much uh, to drink, when we're intoxicated, it clouds our mind. We don't have good thoughts. And so the Bible says, be sober-minded, think well. And it doesn't mean just don't, don't be intoxicated. That's not really what it's talking about. Certainly, the Bible talks about that. But what it's talking about is have clear thoughts about who God is, what God wants, who you are, where you are. So that you can have really good ideas. Max Dupree says the first job of a leader is to define reality. And so if you are within an organization, you need to be sober-minded for your company. You need to be sober-minded for your family. You need to be sober-minded in whatever. You have clear thoughts on doing that. I remember uh, when we were fairly young as a church, a lady started coming to our church and really I uh, was coming for quite a while. And one day I sat down and talked with her and found out about her background. And she grew up in an extremely legalistic church, a hellfire, brimstone, stomping, spitting preacher kind of church. And, uh, and she said, she, she liked our church. She said, cause it's so, it's so enjoyable and you're funny and we laugh and it's filled with joy. And she, she, but and then she stopped. She said, I just wish you would yell at us from time to time. <laughs> you know? And she, she did. She was like, I wish, I just wish you'd just tell us that God was mad and, and just put this kind of the fear of God into it. And I was like, have you met me? I mean, you know, can you imagine me trying to come across as mean or like everybody would be like, shut up. I mean, it's just not me. It's just not who I am. And, and, and honestly, man, I love the freedom that God has given us. I don't want to serve Jesus out of fear because if I watch too many R-rated movies, I'm going to go to hell. 
I don't want to, I don't want to live in that kind of life. And, I, and God has freed me from so much sin and deceit and has given me joy. I, I love life and I want people to understand this is not just us going, uh, save yourself. This is us going, help yourself to the blessings of God. He is wonderful. I love Jesus. I thank Jesus for what he has done for me. I enjoy spending time with him. I love it when he down, this week he downpoured some new things into my life and my thinking. I love it. I love who he is. I love Jesus and what he's done. And I want you to know him. I want you to experience all that God is and all that God has for you. I do not want to give you a set of rules. I want to give you a savior that says, I love you. I died for you and I came to give you life and give it abundantly. Be sober minded, have a correct view of mind in the first and you'll be ready for action. Number two, he says, set your hope completely on grace. So in other words, our thinking ought not to just be what we can do. Grace is not what you can do. Grace is something that God gives you that you don't deserve. Set your mind on grace. Think about God's, when you're thinking about action, think about it in such a way that you're like, what could God do? What could God do in this situation? We had to do that uh, in the early days of River Valley. When I came here, I was amazed. Uh, we've been here 15 years. Church started 15 uh, years ago. Uh, and, and I was amazed at the early days, like how quickly things were happening how quickly things were growing, how many people were moving here. Who would have thought in 15 years that literally, think about what God has done in our, in our town, in our county, that the world's richest man, the world's richest man is investing in our county. Think about that. That's crazy. People are pouring in here. But in the early days, there was this idea that we started, we, we were running about 100, and we started talking about running thousands. And it was kind of laughable. I mean, we were in a school. We were in a rented facility. We had a little bitty trailer. The whole church could be unloaded uh, in like 15 minutes. One time someone stole our trailer and they were like, they stole our church. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> so we did. I mean, and, and we were talking about thousands and we were believing God for thousands. And we were talking about what he could do in the days to come. And we're seeing so much of that grace idea, that thing of like, we we can't do this. This is not us going, look how awesome we are. This is us going, look at what God has done among us. Look at how good God is that he would use us to do this for his kingdom, that he would reach so many people through our efforts. Have your mind on grace. What can God do in the situation that you're thinking about today? What can God uh, craft in your mind in that way? And so you guys are doing a lot of that. You are believing that. Listen, we don't right at this moment need you to be in this service. We don't, you know, we could probably pack out in, in two. But the problem is, is especially in children's, parents would come and our children's ministry would be completely full. Completely full. And so, yeah, we would all be comfortable. But guess what? The people who God is going to send here wouldn't because they're not going to just stick their kids in this full uh, room. And so we begin to spread them out. And you guys wake up early and you guys come in early. Why? Because you believe in the grace of God and what he's going to do. Good job. 
Good job. Be sober-minded, be grace-minded. Number three, where does the grace come from? The grace comes from the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's number three, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You hear the word revelation, revealed. That word means, it's a word picture. It's looking at a stage that they're going to have a production on. And the stage has the curtains closed. And you know something's behind there. You know they've got a set and they've got props and the actors are going to come out. That's what the word means. But revelation means the curtains open and you get to see. And you, oh, that's what it is. Oh, look how they made that set. Look, that's, that's the word. But instead of a set, the, the, the curtains are closed. And now what's going to happen? They're going to open and we're going to see Jesus. We're going to get to see Jesus, and he's going to change us. Three ways he does this. First, form. Write the word form. God forms us in his image. You are an image bearer of the God of the universe. Whether you are male or female, whether you are young or old, regardless of the tone of your skin, regardless of the background, you are an image bearer of God. You have characteristics that look like the God of the universe that no other creature, including angels, has. We have so much that God has. We, we have emotions and intellect. We have the ability to grow and to prosper. We have the ability to think and act and feel like the God of the universe. And the God of the universe, he says things sometimes that kind of shock us. You know, he says, um, he says in the text, I am a jealous God. Well, think about that. God has emotions, and one of them is jealousy, is righteous jealousy. When you claim to be his, but yet you are drawn away by other things that, that would entice you. I remember years ago, um, I, was, uh, I was studying in a coffee shop here in town. And uh, one of my good friends, leader in our church, came into the coffee shop. And I was over in the corner. And uh, I saw him, and, was, and he didn't see me because of where I was. He goes up to the line, and I saw him, and he's with his wife. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, you are kidding me. That is not his wife. And they are way, way too familiar. He kind of rubbed her back, and she was teasing him. And, and I was like, who? And she was younger than him. I was like, man, what is he doing? Like, he's just out in the open just cheating on his wife and I was filled with rage and jealousy for his wife and for the name of River Valley and for the name of Jesus. He was a leader in our church. So I am like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to march over there and tell him repent. Uh, and so I walk over there and, and uh, when I see him, I expect him to be like, oh no, you know, when you're, you know how you are when you get busted by your pastor, uh, that kind of thing, right? But it doesn't happen. Instead, he gets all glowy eyed and he goes, hey, Cody, I want to introduce you to my sister. And I was like, oh, 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 okay, I get it. Oh, yeah, I figured out. Yeah, I knew that's who it was. God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> and we was about to have an awkward moment. Yeah, they were, he was hugging on his sister. And it was, it, it, and so I was like, oh, well, that makes pretty good sense, you know? So, <laughs> but I felt that jealousy. I felt that, that rage that God feels when we, when we say, I am yours, I am bond, but I, I walk away for a time. God is a jealous God. He wants you back. We are formed in his image. That's just one of many, many characteristics. But next, even though all people are, are created in the image of God, we are formed in his image. Number two, we need to be transformed. Transformed. 
we are transformed into the image of God in our salvation experience. This word biblically is actually the word metamorpho. That's where we get metamorphosis from, that God changes us from our sinful nature. We'll talk about that in a second, into not only do we uh, are we image bearers of God, but we start to think like God and act like God and want to be more like Jesus Christ. And he changes our sinful nature and gives us, the Bible says he takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh that he can move and operate in. And then finally, he says, we are to be conformed into his image. So we are formed in his image. We are transformed into his likeness. Now we need to be conformed into his image. This is a daily process of growth. This is us learning how to, it says in the book that we're just going to, or in the text that we're just going to read, don't be conformed to our old desires, but we need to be conformed to our new person of Jesus Christ, where we walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, think like Jesus. This word is the word schema. It's where we get the word schematic from. A schematic is a, is a draw, like a blueprint, but usually uh, we use the word schematic when we're talking about electronics, where, where this, you know, here's where the power comes in and it goes to these fuses and does this. That's what a schema is. God is drawing a schematic of your life and he's saying, I want, I'm, I've got a blueprint for you. I've got plans for you. I want you to become more like Jesus. I want you to plug in here and I want you to use that for the glory of God here. And he's got a, he's got a plan for your life and we're conformed daily to that image. How do all of these happen? The revelation of Jesus Christ. The only way to do this is not learn the rules. The only way to do this is to connect with Jesus, to learn who Jesus is, to find him, to show, let him show you. And then he can, changes you little by little. He changes you greatly in transformation, little by little in conforming every single day. That's the only way to do it. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what we teach you in our connections class. Let me show you this slide. If you haven't, if you don't have a group yet, it's not too late. We started last Sunday, but it's it's not too late for you to come to our connections class, uh, five o'clock right in this room. And we're going to teach you how to connect with Jesus little by little, moment by moment. We're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you how to worship. We're going to teach you how to connect in these ways. And, and it will make such a difference in your life. We'll show you how to connect with Jesus. And then guess what Jesus does? He changes you. You begin to be conformed into him, his image. Number four, he says, we need to understand and don't be conformed to the desires of our former ignorance, your former desires. You need to understand when you are thinking and getting your mind ready for action that part of what you are doing is understanding how your mind and life works and what are the things that will set you aside in the kingdom of God? What are the things that will take you off track? What are the ways that you have a propensity to sin against God? You have these. You probably, if you have children, you can really identify your children's uh, former desires. I mean, even though they, they are... Uh, hopefully say there are things that, that, that you know they need to watch and to continually uh, keep in front of them so that they don't go away from God. All of us have these. What are your favorite sins? This is a good way to think it. What, I mean, the sins that you go back to time and time again. You go to when you're, when you're excited. You go to when you're stressed. You go to when you, whatever it is, what are your sins that are your former way of life? And we need to be careful. I call it, think about putting yourself in a, 
in a, in a cell, putting yourself where you can't get to those things. You need to set personal boundaries for yourself in those areas. Now, we don't set those boundaries for everyone because some people don't struggle in those things. Boundaries are we get away from the sin a good bit. So I don't even go over here. So, you know, a former alcoholic is probably not going to go to a lot of bars, right? He or she is not going to go to a lot of places, especially when they're becoming sober, where there's uh, alcohol being consumed, because they know it's not wrong to be there. It's not wrong to be around those people, but it's one step closer for them to being tempted, so they're going to be sinning. So they're not going to do those things. They're going to they're put some distance in their life, and they're going to start... Uh, being around people that don't sin in that, in that way, those type of things. So you and I need to understand what do I do, how do I act, and what do I need to make on, on boundaries so that I'm not conformed to the image of God. And listen, it says it very clearly in the text. Don't be one of those people who says everybody's doing it. It says in the text, hey, don't be somebody that everybody's doing it. Be one of those people that say, except that guy, except her. She doesn't do it. I understand. It's, there's a lot of truth to everybody's doing it, but we're not everybody. We are conformed to the image of Jesus. And we live and think and work and act and speak in a different way. We are conformed to Jesus Christ. Now, if you really struggle with this, if you're going through the struggle of it, good. Like if you've actually ever overcome a, a pretty prevailing sin, you know how it is. You know how like you're like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then you do it. And then you're like, I'm, I'm, seriously, I'm not going to do it anymore. And you back and forth, maybe for weeks or months or even years that it takes you to get out of this lifestyle. And that's okay. You're fighting through that. But what often happens and what will defeat you in that is, is this shame of this fact that you're like, I said I wasn't going to do it. And I know I shouldn't do it. And I know I shouldn't go there. I know I shouldn't be around them. I know I shouldn't look at this or do this. And, and I did it anyway. And you're like, I just, you kind of want to give up because you think God's like, seriously, again, it's not true. It's not true. And it's one of the ways that we are defeated. Let me show you a great verse. Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has a relationship with you that is outside of sin because he has taken your sin upon himself on the cross. And so there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those right now who are in Christ Jesus. And so do we need to fight against sin and overcome sin? Absolutely. Do we need to confess sin when we do it? Absolutely. But when we go to Christ and we confess sin, there is no condemnation. It is one of the most freeing things in the world where you, in fact, you know you are at least on the road to maturity. When you sin, you run towards Jesus instead of hide from him. There's a real mark of maturity for the person who's like, oh, I, I did it again. Jesus, I need to tell you something. As opposed to, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. You know, and, and kind of avoid it. There's a real maturity in that because they believe there's no condemnation and they feel the love and the grace and their forgiveness. If you are struggling with prevailing sin, the whole chapter of Romans 8 is fantastic. It's fantastic for you. So whatever it is uh, that you are struggling with individually, if you have some prevailing sins in your life, I really recommend Romans chapter 8. I mean, just really take through it, digest it slowly. It has so much good to say about this is what the law does. The law just highlights sin. 
Saying don't sin or don't do a specific act, that doesn't get us to not do it. That just highlights uh, that we shouldn't do it. This week, I, I, this week, my neighbor directly across there, it's just a lot. He put up, it, they cleared the lot years ago and then they didn't do anything with it. And so it's now overgrown with weeds and everything. And this week he put up four no trespassing signs, like all facing my property. And uh, I've never once seen anyone on his lot in probably eight years. Not one single time have I gone up there, has the other neighbors that I know go up there, has anyone ever been on his lot? And he put up four trespassing signs and I immediately thought, I wonder what's up there. Yeah. <laughs> immediately, immediately, it was wrong to trespass before but since it said it now I'm like hmm I want to real bad <laughs> I want to be a trespasser that's what the law does and we see that we see that it's highlighted but only the spirit of God can help us to forgive so we need to get our minds right and we need to understand this is the sin that is prevalent in my life. This is how I do it. This is when I do it. This is where I do it. This is who I'm around. This is who I'm not around. This is the time of day, all of those things. And we begin to understand, this is how God is gonna use me to overcome this sin. The last thing, we need to get our minds right by being holy because Jesus, God, is holy. Be holy, he says, because I am holy. Now, we normally think of holiness as not sinning, and certainly that is a part of it. God is above. The holiness is this idea of that, that God is above uh, sin, that, that there's no sin in Christ's life. There's no, he has been tempted, the Bible says, in every way, but was without sin. God is perfect and without sin. But that's really what we talked about in the last uh, point of don't go back to your former desires. This part is talking about not just not sinning, but doing what God wants you to do in the glory of God. He says, he says, do it, be holy in all your conduct. Be holy in everything. Not just not sinning in everything, but doing right in everything. By, by being set apart, by being a, like a holy God, that we are doing things for the kingdom of God. So Ben mentioned and the very first one that you have the uh, availability to, which is next weekend, uh, is to be baptized. The very first thing that Christ asks you to do upon your salvation, which is freely given, but then he says, okay, now let's show the world, is to be baptized. And so we want you to be holy. It's the very first act of holiness. We want you to be holy because God is holy. Jesus was baptized. Jesus showed the world who God was through that picture. And so it's just one of now a lifetime of things that God wants you to do to walk forward, to serve in your church, to uh, even little things along the way, little conversations that you're supposed to have with that person at work or, or ways that you encourage your spouse when sometimes you, you've developed a habit of, of kind of being derogatory to them. Just a million things. Be holy. Do good things in all your conduct. Every single area of your life is holy. Why? Because God is holy. Jesus is without sin. The moment that we start feeling like we've done pretty well and we compare ourselves to a holy God, that's the moment that we understand, I am utterly sinful. I have transgressed 
against God. I have trespassed where I should not go. I have done what I should not do. I have said and thought what I should not. I have offended a holy God. That's why Jesus came. He gave his holiness for us. It's the great transfer. We let him take away our sin and we take his holiness in our salvation experience. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, are you holy? Are you condemned? Which one is it? There's only two. Let's be make sure let's, that we are, as our Savior is, that we are holy. Let's pray. God is perfect in every way. Any, any sin that you've done, Jesus was tempted with but did not do it. Every single one. But we have. I mean, from the beginning ones where we disobeyed our parents and, you know, learned our first cuss word in school. Those are the early ones. To now, most of us, we're adults. And how often and how horribly do we sin? And when you compare that to perfection, to the holiness of God, to the never-sending nature, we see, God, I, I, I can't measure up. Even if I were perfect from this place else, from this time forward, I, I, I still have a lifetime before this of, of sinning. Let God give you the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus Christ. Take away your sin. It's the great transfer. Take, take my sin and therefore the condemnation that I deserve because of my sin, Jesus. And give me, please, your holiness. Through the cross, through Jesus dying on the cross, through his resurrection, through the great transfer. That you say, Jesus, I want you to not just take away my sin, but I want you to guide my life. You get to say what I do, where I go. I want to be conformed to your image. I want to be transformed by your power. Right now, you can reach out to Jesus and you can ask him for just that. Jesus, please take away my sin. Jesus, thank you for taking my condemnation when I, I deserved it. And right where you are today, ask Christ to give you his righteousness, his holiness in place. When you do that, believing that Jesus was crucified on the cross, that he was buried in the tomb, that he was resurrected, then you will have eternal life. You will have abundant life here on earth, eternal life in heaven. Now, for those of us who are believers today, we need our minds ready for action. We need to be sober-minded. Obvious application is don't be drunk. But so much more than that, understand in clarity who God is, what he wants, who I am, where I am, and that you are moving forward. God, help us to be holy. Help us to be set apart for the things. Help us to not go back into the temptations of our past, but help us to move forward in victory over them. We trust you in those, Jesus. And God, I want to pray a special blessing today for those who are here in our missionary service. They've moved out of where is comfortable or easy so that others may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, help them to understand how important what they are doing is and how meaningful it is in the kingdom of God. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Amen.
Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.